Cole, we're back again. I'm so excited, man. How are you doing? I'm thriving. Uh, we're recording this the day after the Super Bowl. So I've been telling you guys for the last few weeks that the Buccaneers are going to win. And uh, look, look what happened. Let's go. If we're talking leadership today, you want to talk about the GOAT leader in football? It's Tom Brady. That's facts. That's facts. It's, I used to not Brady. like the man, but you know, since he left Belichick, I think it's just a, a Belichick curse. Because like now I love the man. The hoodie. I don't know hoodie, what man. I hate hoodie. Uh, but yeah, I I used to be anti. <laughs> I used to be anti Tom Brady, and then the minute he signed the Bucks, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is a class act. I mean, he's not Matt Ryan level, but I guess he'll do. Okay. All right. On that note, we're gonna we're gonna hop into the episode. Cole, who do we have on today? Oh yeah. I mean, we have one of my favorite, if not my favorite person on the planet has a very special place in my heart. I have a very special relationship with this person. Today we have Jeff Henderson, who also is my father. Uh, going to talk about some leadership. Yeah. So I'm excited. How are you feeling, Mason? I'm pumped, man. Everybody that knows uh, Mr. Jeff loves him. And like you said, he's one of the best leaders on the planet. We're so, so lucky to be able to have him on. I'm pumped to be able to talk to him. Yeah. So with that said, let's get into it. All right. Great. All right. So today we're going to talk a little bit about leadership. Our guest today is Mr. Jeff Henderson, a great leader in my life. Also my father, (laughs) which is an epic dub in my book. Um, But the first question for today is who is a great leader in your life? Like who is a leader in your life that has been most influential or has have that you have based your leadership style off of? Well, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on, Mason, Cole, and then in the back. Um, Man, I'm elevating the age range of this podcast, though. I'm the (laughs) oldest person that's ever been on this podcast. That's that's awesome. Shane Sanchez had the uh, that record, and I just broke it. Um, (laughs) Trying to reach a new demographic. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Here we go. Hey, you're going to get some some major 50 year olds following y'all. Let's go. I would say, Cole, um, as you well know, True Kathy has always been modeled for me, uh, one of the models for me, the, the founder of Chick-fil-A. In fact, I, I opened my book when I'm driving Truett to a speaking engagement, and he's asking me questions, not about the business, but about life in general and how do I like working at Chick-fil-A. And we began to talk about some bigger issues um, than just the chicken business. And that's when I began to discover a secret that Truett used to grow the business. And the secret was Truett was more interested in the business growing people than people growing the business. Mm -hmm. And that's how the business grew because he knew that if he grew people that ultimately they would take care of everything. And that's when I began to realize, you know, you can actually genuinely care for people and be for people uh, and serve them well. And then everything else will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. So from a leadership standpoint, that was always a big model for me. And then my first business mentor was a gentleman by the name of Steve Polk. uh, And he taught me three things. And he said, live your life as if it's better to give than to receive. Um, There's not a limit to what a person can do when he or she doesn't care who gets the credit. And when you leave here, make things better. Whenever you leave, make things better. In fact, you don't have to leave, but leave things better than when you found them. And those three have really really stayed with me. So Steve Polk, Truett Cathy, a couple of those folks um, call for sure. 
So a lot of people are going to most know you from being the lead pastor of Gwinnett Church and obviously you did a lot of amazing things there. Um, but what you're probably most known for was the For Gwinnett slogan. So can you just talk to us a little bit about where that came from? What was the heart behind it? And why do you really think it took off so well? Well, first of all, thanks, Mason, for saying that. And, and it was a huge team effort. But I, I think it really goes down to, to two questions that any organization, whether it's a church, business, nonprofit, needs to ask. And question number one is, what do you want to be known for? What's your unique vision? What's your unique niche? Uh, Steve Jobs with Apple would say, what's, what's your dent in the universe going to be? What do you want to be known for? And then the second question is, what are you known for? So in the early days of Gwinnett Church, we weren't known for anything because we were just starting up. So we began to ask the question, well, what, what is the church known for? And in that meeting, someone said, you know, when it comes to the church, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And when, when they said that, we all just kind of looked at each other and thought, wow, that, that, that's, that's huge. And then we thought, well, what do we want to be known for at, at our church? And what we decided is we wanted to be for Gwinnett. We want to be for Gwinnett students, for Gwinnett kids, for Gwinnett children, students and families and businesses. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, God is for us. The most famous Bible verse of them all starts with the word for, for God so loved the world. And we, that's when it started. And so when we, when we bought the property, we put a sign out there on the, on the property. And we didn't say Gwinnett Church at the time. We wanted our first introduction to the community to be for Gwinnett. And so we just put a sign out there that said hashtag for Gwinnett. And there was no website didn't say Gwinnett church. I just said hashtag for Gwinnett. And, and I got some feedback from people saying, Hey, how are they going to know that's a church? And I said, exactly. They're not, they're going to have to ask. And so we gave t-shirts to our, you know, it was just a couple hundred people at the time and said, Hey, when you go to the ballparks and the grocery stores or the restaurants and people see for Gwinnett and they go, Hey, there's that sign up there that says for Gwinnett. What is that? And when you say it's a church, they're going to ask, well, what does that mean? And in that moment, I want you to say, well, for many, for many people that are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. We, we're for you because we believe God's for you. Yeah. And that really began to grow our church um, over these last several years. It's been, it's been fun, to, fun to watch and see. Um, but the other thing, cool, that was really interesting, Mason, is that uh, a couple of years into this, I started getting T-shirts and coffee mugs in the mail from other churches around the country and world. Doing. In fact, the first one I got was a coffee mug that said for Winnipeg. And I thought, oh my nice. goodness, uh, the, people are paying attention. So, um, and then it's just kind of, it's certainly been a God thing. And from for Guatemala to for Dubai to places in between, it's been fun to kind of see it take off. But I really think it really comes down to those two questions. And, you know, the, the challenging news or the really the tragic news is that the church really is known for what it's against, but we've got the greatest message in the world. So the good news is so many churches are kind of jumping on board of this message and it's been fun to see, see them do that. That's awesome. That's so good. What I love about that story is how you did something different. You didn't put the like name of the church out there. You put a slogan and something you've always taught me is that leaders are different. They don't go with along the lines of ordinary people. Um, mm -hmm. So just kind of piggybacking off of that, like how do you define a leader? Well, I would tell you, Cole, uh, a leader is someone who likes Larry Bird, number one. Let's go. Um, that's Let's a, go. I'm just kidding. I'm giving Mason. <laughs> he does not like Larry Bird, which is a no, totally different podcast, Mason. We could, we, we could take this one offline. I don't have anything against yeah. him. <laughs> I will tell you this. Though, Larry Bird was a great leader. But 
Cole, to your point, I think ultimately my, my favorite definition of leadership uh, comes from David Salyers, our mutual friend. I used to work with David at Chick-fil-A. And, and leadership is taking good intentions, turning them into reality and sustaining them. And you think about anything done well in life or anything that has uh, sustaining impact, we all have good ideas. Let me give you an example. The podcast that the two, the three of you are doing, JP, I'm including you in this as well, obviously. That was a really good idea, right? Well, everyone has really good ideas, but leadership takes the good idea and you have podcast number one. All right. Well, that's good. You've turned good intention into reality. Leadership comes into play when you go from podcast number one to podcast number five. And that's what you all are doing. You're having a schedule. You're, you're, you're thinking, well, how can we best serve the community? So turning good intentions, turning it into reality and sustaining them. The, the other thing I would tell you, Cole, is I think leaders make people feel valued and make people better. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a combination. You know, it's if you're just totally making people feel uh, valued, uh, that's not totally the ball game because you have to make people um, feel uh, valued and you have to make people better. Mm -hmm. And ultimately mm -hmm. leaders are to serve. And at the end of the day, it is, um, it's, it's really about humility and you taking the low place. You know, Jesus said to always, when you come into a room, uh, don't go to the head of the table, go and take the, 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 the lowest seat and always take the low place. Um, and that's, I think great leadership is, is in, is in, personified in Jesus, obviously, but his humility was what drew people to them. And sometimes as leaders, we feel like we have to have to have all the answers. And I've, I've, I've noticed in my own leadership, when I look at the leadership teams that I've served over the years and I've said, Hey, I don't know. And what do y'all think? Because we are smarter than me. So I think being vulnerable, mm -hmm. humble, but having a vision and having the courage to your question, Cole, of doing different things and trying different things and having the courage to go, you know what, it might not work, but I feel like if we try it, it'll lead us to the next, um, the next thing. And, um, and that's, that's, you know, there's a difference between a leader and a manager and a manager uh, kind of knows uh, kind of the what to do and the, the details but a leader is able to see things that a manager can't see and go, you know what? And what a leader has to do is you've got to have a vision and you've got to be able to, to make people or help people see the vision that you see. Mm -hmm. So in the early days of Gwinnett church, our very first meeting, we were in a um, upstairs in an uh, Italian restaurant in Swanee, Georgia, Ippolito's. And there was about 70 or 80 of us and Cole, you were there. Um, and, but there was no building, there was no name but you had to be able to stand up in front of people and say, let me tell you where we're going to, we're going to be in about three or four years. Um, and so that's what leaders do. They take vision and turn it into uh, reality and they sustain it. Mm. I like that a lot. One of the things you just talked about was leaders taking the low place and deferring to others. And a little side note, bragging on Cole is I've had like a few different people come up to me and say like, Oh man, every time we're in a room or something, we're like sitting down at a table Cole is like always the last one to sit down. Like he always waits until everybody else has been seated. Um, and so that's, that's pretty cool. That's an awesome value that you have that obviously Cole is adapted and is um, taken on. But one of the questions you touched on it a little bit when you're talking, um, what are some of the qualities that you see in leadership 
that has helped you the most and that you think are most impactful in making a great leader? I think one of the, ha- the one of the characteristics of a great leader is they practiced great habits and habits are really ultimately what make us. And now I'm a big goal setter. Cole knows this. I'm a, I love goals and all that, but we don't really rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the, the level of our habits. And so really trying to figure out what are, what are the habits that are going to make me uh, a better leader. And one of the habits that has helped me tremendously is reading and having a, a book list every year and, and to send that out to our teams. I challenged when I, I worked at North Point Ministries for 17 and a half years before leaving for the four company. And I told the teams that I served, no one will read more books this year than, than me. And if you get close, let me know, I'm going to read two more. And, and, and the reason is because I could not let the organization outgrow me. And so a passion for growth but I really do believe leaders are readers and it's not just enough to read. You have to apply what you, what you read. Um, I also think a great value of leaders is saying thank you and not just saying thank you, but writing. Thank you. Um, uh, Cole knows this, that, that I, I send him too many notes. Uh, in fact, he didn't go to his mailbox for like the first two weeks of college. I think you had like 72 notes in your mailbox, <laughs> but um, I just noticed when leaders write and say, thank you, it's, it's really, really, really important. And, when, um, when I left Gwinnett Church, so many people said, hey, you, you sent me uh, a handwritten thank you note five years ago or three years ago. I still have it. And it still means a lot. So I think circling back and saying thank you is really, really, really important. Um, but at the end of the day, I've already mentioned this a little bit, Mason, but at the end of the day, it all comes back to a, a humility test. Mm. And are you, are you out there for you or are you out there for the organization? And um, a really big leadership test is when you leave, are you more interested in the organization thriving without you? Um, and ultimately, it, that, that should be the case, that ultimately right. it should not be about you. It should be about the organization going further, faster without you. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to say this, great leaders are replaceable. Mm-hmm. Great leaders are replaceable. You think great leaders are like, oh, my goodness. You know, if he or she leaves, the organization will fall down and, and, and everything will fall apart. That's not good leadership. Right. Great leaders are replaceable. I remember Jimmy Collins, the president of Chick-fil-A, when he retired, he said, my goal is to leave no muddy footprints. And two years from now, when people call the corporate office, maybe a Chick-fil-A operator, and they say, can I speak to Jimmy? I want the operator to say, Jimmy who? We don't remember him. And he said, that's a humility test for me. I don't want to leave such gigantic footprints that they actually become muddy footprints because the organization couldn't run without me. Mm-hmm. The great thing about Gwinnett Church is even though in COVID and all that, I mean, you guys had uh, the amazing Saint Shane Sanchez on the podcast. Right. Like, um, hey, GCIO, they don't miss me. They don't know who I am. So, and that's a good thing because uh, at the end of the day, leaders should be replaceable. Mm. that's awesome one thing you hit on was like building healthy habits so for someone who is trying to get into those healthy habits whether it's listening to podcasts better music reading more like how does one begin to start healthy habits Mm. well i'll give you this idea cole man i think it's uh you know when it comes to having great days a great day begins the night before 
And one of my, one of my habits I'm really trying to lean into this year more than ever is to make sure that I am reviewing the day that has happened and then writing down three wins that I want for tomorrow versus waking up and going into the day going, okay, what am I supposed to do today? Because when I understand the night before, no, I've already defined the wins for the day. When my feet hit the ground, I know exactly where to go. Mm-hmm. So those, that, that habit of a great day begins the night before is a game changer. You know, a lot of folks think that when you come to a 24 hour day, the day begins in the morning and it ends at night. That's actually not true from a biblical standpoint. If you look at Genesis, it says that uh, it was night and then day. And so night actually, the day actually begins at sunset, uh, not sunrise. And so when the sun sets, I'm already want to be shifting my mind to the morning to go, okay, when the morning arrives, what's the three things that I want to do? And what were the three wins for today? Mm-hmm. And perfection's not the goal. You're not going to, you know, have perfect days all the days, but I'd know this that the more good days I have, that means the more good weeks I have. And the more good weeks I have, the more good months I have, and the more good months I have, the more good years I have. So it really comes back down to that daily practice. That's so good. Can you talk to us a little bit more about some of those healthy habits that you have? Absolutely. So I have a um, um, something I call a weekly focus, and that is uh, it's this green piece of paper. I'm sure Cole has seen it a gazillion times. And I, I do that on Sunday nights or Monday mornings, just depending on how the Sunday went. And but ultimately, it allows me to look back on the week. I have strategic um, projects, strategic relationships, uh, some other things that, that I fill out. And then what are the three big wins for the week? And then I look at that for um, two minutes every day. Uh, just to go, okay, wh- where am I going and what, what, what am I doing? And, and, and because if, if you don't lead your life, your life will take over and, and, and lead yourself. Um, and then I write for 30 minutes a day and I try to read uh, for 10 minutes a day. And then I try to write three handwritten thank you notes a day. Um, and again, it's not about perfection. Uh, I've written two today. Once I get off of this podcast, I'll go and finish up uh, the first one. Um, but for me, uh, and then uh, working out is really important um, because I feel like that just allows me to work out, work out the stress, stay healthy. I think um, your physical disciplines are connected to your spiritual disciplines and your emotional disciplines. So working out is a really important thing for me. And then, um, and trying to eat, um, Eating healthy is always a challenge for me. So I'm trying to continue to do that because we live really close. It's cold nose to a Chick-fil-A. So, (laughs) but those, those kind of habits uh, and then staying closely connected with some friends of mine that I've been journeying with for over 20 years, specifically in this case, David Farmer and Shane Benson from Chick-fil-A. And so I've been journeying with those guys. We get together um, once a quarter and then we have an annual planning session every year to stay in touch with each other. Uh, David's over all product development for Chick-fil-A and Shane is over all operations for Chick-fil-A. So two guys that have massive jobs, but they've been great friends of mine. And this is one of Cole's favorite verses, iron sharpens iron. So those guys staying connected with me and making sure that they're um, encouraging me and challenging me. And really 
for me, they, they are living at such a high level. It forces me to try to kind of keep up and, mm. and, and whoever you're listening to and every, whoever you're doing life for, this is why I love this podcast. The, the fact that Mason, you and Cole and JP and others are staying together. It's that iron sharpens iron thing. And y'all have talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast, but it doesn't go away the older you get. In fact, the older you get, the more important community is. That's That's awesome. Um, I think you talked about a lot of good ways to be like a successful and healthy leader. Um, But like, what are some dangers to be aware of in leadership? One of the dangers, Cole, is pride. And and also when you're a leader, uh, so Frank, let me give you an example. Frank Blake was the former CEO of Home Depot. He had never been a CEO before. Um, he gets the call from the board. He's on a plane and they had, they inform him that they had fired the current CEO of Home Depot and congratulations, Frank Blake, you're the CEO. So imagine this guy is like, I've never led anything like this before. And one of the pieces of advice he got was this, which is really interesting. He goes, Frank, somebody told him on the board, Frank, now that you're the boss, your jokes are going to start being funnier. And what they meant by that is because you're the boss. Everybody's going to laugh at your jokes. Everybody's going to compliment you. And they said, you got to see through that. And you've got to be as real with people as you possibly can, because you got to have a circle of trust and vulnerability. And so when it comes to being a leader, it's hard because it's, it, you're the boss as well. And leadership is lonely because you certainly want to be friends with your, the people that you're leading and you should be friends with the people that you're leading. But it's much like being a parent in some ways. Um, at some point, you know, and Cole and I are, are obviously, well, I think you're one of my best friends, Cole. But when you were eight years old, I had to be your dad, not your friend. And when you're a parent and you try to be buddy-buddy with an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old, um, instead of being the parent and leader, that's a problem. And so leadership is lonely. And um, because at some point you have to have conversations with people and say, hey, you didn't perform well at this level. Um, or, hey, that talk you did, uh, it wasn't that good. And mm-hmm. so that kind of performance feedback and evaluative feedback is part of the role of a leader. And so conflict is really, really important. And I'm a conflict avoider. And there's, there's conflict avoiders and there's conflict enjoyers. And um, those two groups of people typically marry one another and it cre- creates an interesting dynamics in marriage. But if you're a conflict enjoyer as a leader, you got to be really, really careful because you're always looking for a fight. If you're a conflict avoider as a leader, you're probably not actually moving people um, to where they need to go. And so having hard conversations, conflict conversations was difficult for me. But at the end of the day, what I realized is that if I was not having those conversations with them and being honest with them, I was being disloyal to them as a human being. And so when I understood that, that moved me closer to having conversations with them that were uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, I could start the conversation by saying, like, if it was Mason, I was having a conversation with, I mean, obviously Mason would not do anything wrong because, because he's a great leader, but I would say, Hey, Mason, I'm about to have a conversation with you. There's some really good things going on, but I'm going to challenge you in a couple of things. And the reason I'm going to have this conflict conversation with you, is it because I don't believe in you? Actually, the reason I'm going to have this conversation with you is because I do believe in you. And because I do believe in you, I think there's some things you can do to improve your leadership. 
But those are hard, hard conversations, Cole. The other thing is, I've already mentioned this, but leadership is lonely. That's why it's helpful for leaders to be able to connect with people outside of their organizations. So that's why I would call a David Farmer or a Shane Benson or David Salyers and say, hey, I've got this challenging situation going on at the church. Can I get your feedback on it? And they were able to give me feedback from a, uh, from a non-emotional standpoint because they weren't involved. And yet they could understand because they have their own challenges as a leader. Um, and then the other thing I would tell people is that when any time somebody says, I want to be a leader, I always want to tell them, okay, be, be careful what you ask for, because you're actually asking for problems. And I don't mean that negatively, but the more you grow in your leadership, the more organizations trust you with problems and they trust you to figure out the problems. That's what leadership is. Leadership shouldn't be, I've got the corner office and I've got all the perks. Leadership really is, I'm going to figure out the problems and, and figure out the opportunities and keep the, the, the organization moving forward. I'm so glad you talked about conflict because that was one of the questions we had written down to ask. Um, but one thing you just touched on was asking other people for their advice. Um, and so one of the other things we want to talk to you about is a lot of times people say that you can't be a leader until you learn how to follow until you become teachable. Um, so we just want to get your opinion. Like, how do you step into that? How do you, how do you become more teachable? How do you learn to follow well? So I think there's one question, Mason, that's really helped me over the years. And this is good in any, in any area of life, but especially leadership. And that question is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me as a leader? What's it like to be on the other side of me as a dad? What's it like to be on the other side of me as a friend? And the reason that's important is because I've never been on the other side of me. And so when I sit down with people that work for me, if you will, they're on the leadership team and I go, hey, I'm trying to improve my leadership. Help me understand what it's like to be on the other side of me as a leader. When I do that, I'm showing some authenticity, I'm showing some vulnerability, and I'm showing the, the, the passion that I have to get better as a leader and to serve them better. And so for me, that question has really served me really, really well, because here's what you're going to get with this, this question. You're going to get three answers. You're going to get some encouraging information. You're going to get some surprising information that you didn't think was the new that was there. And, the, and you're going to get your feelings hurt. That's, what, that's the three things that are going to happen. Now, it's going to require courage to ask that question. But if we choose not to ask that question as leaders, here's the reality. The reality is the information is still there. We just don't have the guts to go ask the question. And so the people, the, the person that walks into the room that doesn't know the answer to that question is me. And yeah. so I've got to have the guts to be able to say that and to be able to take it and to be able to listen for it. And to be able to have, to find, okay, this is a gift. This feedback is a gift because they're giving me an opportunity to get better. And I can't get better if I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of me. Right. That was awesome. That was good. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, leaders often don't just get their way to be the boss or like on the head guy of an organization. So how does one lead well when you're not in charge? That's a really good question, especially, but just before you answer for like a lot of young people who are listening to this, um, just because I know, especially like I felt this way, I know Cole's felt this way and JP, um, where it's like, 
like there feels like there's this call of God on our life. And it's like, I know that like, I want to do big things. And I know that like Cole's going to do amazing things. Um, but it doesn't just happen. And so like, you're kind of waiting on the fruit of that. Um, so we're in this season of trying to lead when we're not in that leadership position. So just, I just wanted to say that before you jumped into it. That's good. Let me say this to that point, Mason, and then I'll answer your question, Cole. And this is going to be discouraging, but also I think it ultimately is encouraging. We, we all want to do great things for God, especially, you know, when you're your age and you've got big dreams. And, and I, I trust me, I wholeheartedly, I've been telling Cole since he was a little kid, God has great plans for your life. The, but the, the thing I would tell all three of you and all of your listeners is the fast track to all that, the fast track is slower than you think. And, the, and that's a good thing. And let me tell you why. I think one of the most challenging things I see is when someone comes out of college and they sign a multi-million dollar contract in the NBA or the NFL, and suddenly they're 21 years old and they've got millions of dollars and all the world saying, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you're the greatest. To me, that looks like a blessing and it is, but it is one of the, I'm, I'm so grateful that never happened to me. And the reason is because at that point at 21, I don't know if character at 21 can withstand millions of dollars. That's why when I see younger leaders being entrusted with massive platforms and hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and TikTok and all that, hey, that's awesome. That's great. But I'm telling you, your character better withstand that. And the slow build over time when you feel like, God, I, I thought I was going to be further along or God, about, where, what about this? And you got to be careful not to play the comparison game. Ultimately, what God is doing in those early days of your 20s and even your 30s is building your character and building your character so that you can go the long haul. And so I would just say one of the main things from it, from a young leader standpoint, is you've got to be patient and nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> and that's not to say, I mean, I mean, look at what you guys are doing right now. You got a podcast. I mean, you're on Spotify. I don't even know how you get a podcast on Spotify. I mean, that's all amazing. JP. That's all JP. It's all JP. <laughs> so that's, that's phenomenal. So go for it, go for it, go for it. But at the end of the day, character building is the main thing right now. That's it. And what I mean by character building is continuing to, um, practice those daily habits and those daily disciplines and to be the man or woman God's called you to be when no one else is looking. Uh, one of my favorite stories about from, from a communication standpoint is Louis Giglio. When Louis, you know, he's, he's told this story many times, but he, he shared it with me over lunch. He said, you know, one of the best ways I've learned how to become a communicator is I would go preach to three guys at a jail cell on a weekly basis. And I don't think they liked it, but it was a rep and it was continued to, to, to go after that and, and to do that. Um, so I would just say, you know, sermon over guys, I apologize for that, but no, that was awesome. the fast track is, is, is slower than you think with that principle call tell me the question again that you asked me I, my bit, my mini sermon. And, and um, I lost it for a second. It was, how can you lead well when you're not in charge? That's right. That's right. Okay. So I just got off on the uh, fast track is slower than you think. Well, uh, one of my leadership heroes, John Maxwell, wrote a book called The 360 Degree Leader. And basically, when we think of leadership, we think of people below us on the org chart, right? 
But there are people that we work that side by side that are colleagues. For example, at North Point, I, I was a lead pastor, but there were other lead pastors at other campus, campuses. So that was my, those were my colleagues. And then there's the person that, that we report to. But ultimately, there's the person that you are leading. You have to lead yourself, right? And I am the, by far, I am the most difficult person to lead, by far. And I would say, with all due respect, Mason, and with all due respect, Cole, and even to you too, JP, you know, we are always the most difficult person to lead. So leadership is not solely exclusive to I'm at the top of the org chart. And I, I see, I've, I've seen that throughout my career. I'll give you an example. Sandy Causey at Chick-fil-A was the executive assistant to Steve Robinson, who is the chief marketing officer for Chick-fil-A. Sandy's name was way down on the an org chart, but I guarantee you Sandy Causey had massive influence in that organization because if anyone wanted to know how to get things done in the marketing department, they, they, they walked by Sandy Causey's office. She had massive influence. And that's ultimately what great leaders have. They have great influence. John Maxwell, in fact, says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So despite where you are on the org chart, you can have influence and the way you have influence is come to come to work every day and try to add value and make the people around you better. Mm-hmm. And that's the person that's above you. You're actually leading that person, even though technically they're your leader. And the question you want to come to every day is to work every day is ask, how can I make that person more successful? So at Gwinnett Church, I would come to work and go, how can I make Andy Stanley more successful today than he was when I got here? Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, when you're having uh, your focus on serving and making the people around you better, it naturally just leads to more and more opportunities. That's not why you're doing it. But when people genuinely think, wow, he or she, you're actually genuinely for me and you're here to make me better, then that, that grows your leadership. It's counterintuitive. Um, but I mean, Jesus said, you know, go the second mile, go the extra mile. And so wherever you are on the org chart, you're a leader, just go the extra mile and grow your influence. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, next question. How do you lead well in relationships, whether that be friendships, romantic relationships, staff relationships, et cetera? Leadership is listening. And the better you listen, the better you lead. And we, we get that confused because we think leaders are talkers and leaders are saying, go here and climb this mountain and here's this new product and we're launching this church and all that's true and vision casting and I'm all on board with that. But if you're a terrible listener, chances are you're going to be a not so good leader because you're not, you're not, you're not hearing people. You're not actually interested in what they have to say. And so one of the best things you can do as as a leader is ask great questions and ask questions like, when do we do our best work together? Uh, As I mentioned earlier, what's it like to be on the other side of me and a great question from the restaurant industry is give you a little snapshot. You know, we've all been to a restaurant and the, the, the host comes over, the owner of the restaurant comes over and says, is everything okay? And we all, everybody goes, yeah, okay. And he goes, all right, great. 
he needs to ask a second question. And that second question is, okay, I'm glad everything's okay. If there was something we could do to make your experience better, what would it be? Mm. That question is a game-changing question for a restaurant. The reason I say that is one of the best things that leaders can do is to ask great questions and then just shut up and listen. And I'll give you an example. Cheryl Botchelder uh, was the CEO of Popeye's Chicken. All right. Great chicken. Not as good as Chick-fil-A, but pretty good. And so they when she became CEO of Popeye's, Popeye's was just really in a mess. So and Cheryl has a vast amount of experience in brand marketing. So she knew intuitively what to do, but she didn't do that. She got on a plane and she got in her car and she went on a listening tour and she just traveled around the country and the world because Popeye's is an international brand and began to ask questions. And one of the questions I just alluded to, she would, she would get with uh, franchisees and say, Hey, when do we do our best work together? And my favorite story is one guy one time said, well, that's easy when uh, you don't bring a PowerPoint presentation. And she was like, okay, well, tell me more. Why do you say that? So, well, when you bring a PowerPoint presentation and you give us a presentation, it looks like you know all the answers and you're not listening to us. Instead, if you come with a flip chart and two markers and we work on the, the problem together, that's when we do our best work. And that was the moment Cheryl thought, you know what? I'm just gonna carry two markers and a flip chart. And that was the beginning of one of the most important or one of the most impressive business turnarounds I've seen in the last 10 years. But it really, Cole, it really came down to Cheryl listening. And I think that's counterintuitive, as I mentioned earlier, because as leaders, we feel like we have to say words and, and just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. But what I've discovered is that leaders ask great questions. I mean, look at the questions that Jesus asked. I mean, people would ask Jesus a question and more often than not, he wouldn't answer it. He would just ask them a question. And so this, this idea of asking great questions and listening and taking notes and going, oh, what do you think? And tell me what you think about that. And, and being in a meeting and going, okay, that person hasn't spoken a lot. So I'm going to ask her, what does she think about this? Great leaders are great listeners, but great listeners ask great questions. And Cole, that's true, whether it's business, uh, work, family. Uh, and you know this, I've tried to be a better listener to your mom over the years. Started out um, not as good of a listener, but I think I've gotten better. But you can ask her, Cole. Maybe you should have her on the podcast next time to say, Dad said he's a great listener. What do you think? <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. so good. That was, I love how practical that is. And while you were talking, uh, I thought of two things. The first thing was um, I'm a big Judah Smith fan, and I know Cole is too. Uh, and in his book, How's Your Soul, he talks about how in the garden and later on in Genesis, God asked man seven questions before man ever asked God one question. And the question that man asked God eventually was, am I my brother's keeper? And it was an, it was an attempt to defer responsibility. Um, and so I thought of that while you're talking. And then another thing I was talking about, or I thought about um, was we had my brother-in-law Thomas on yeah. a few episodes ago. And he talked about, uh, he was in India on a mission trip a couple of years ago. And he was talking to this guy who'd planted a really, really successful church. Um, and it was just thriving. And he was like, what has been the biggest thing for you? How do you love better? Um, and he said, the greatest indicator of love is the capacity to listen. Um, and so while you were talking, I was like, that's amazing. That's for leadership and that's for loving people better. Um, it's the same principle. And so I, I really, really love what you were saying. And I think it's true too, Mason, uh, on social media. Uh, 
at Gwinnett Church, one of the things we want to do is to listen and really respond to people on their own platforms versus just constantly saying, come to church, come to church, come to church, or from a business, buy our product, buy our product, but listening to the consumer, actually talking to them, asking them a question, it's just going to help you understand how to better serve people by, by, by listening and, and asking great questions. That's awesome. That's so good. Well, we appreciate you being on so much. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but you're talking about uh, leaders being readers earlier and I love reading. So do you have any rapid fire book recommendations for anybody listening? You know, Mason, I get this question a lot. It really depends on the area that you're wanting. You know, if it's marriage or business or leadership or history. So I can give you, if it's okay, some current books that I'm reading, but I don't know that they would be like, I mean, I, I would recommend them, but it kind of depends on the area that you're wanting. So does that- What were the, what were the books most formative in your life? I got to say the Bible because Jesus is listening. Um, <laughs> so for that- The Bible, know what you're for. Those are my top two that, I, that I'm waiting for more. And thanks for giving me the shout out last time because Cole mentioned uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry. I'm like, what about four? And then he came back and, and, and then he oh, uh, the guy that wrote Know What Your Four is paying for my college education. I probably should give his book a shout out. So. <laughs> we got to give at least one that episode. Yeah. So let me, I'll give you, since we're, this is, since this is the leadership episode, let me give you some leadership books. Would that be all right? That's, um, that's perfect. Now, a classic book is called The Leadership Challenge. All right. So, uh, so Leadership Challenge is, is really good. Maybe the thickest book I've ever read uh, is called Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns Goodwin. It's about Abraham Lincoln and how he stacked his cabinet with former political rivals who disagreed with him. So imagine the humility that took to stack your cabinet, not with people that would think, oh, you're the best, but who had openly and publicly criticized you and your thoughts and actually had run against you. And yet in a mark of, I think, genius and in a mark of humility, Abraham Lincoln thought, if I could put these guys on the cabinet, I bet they'll be really honest with me because they've already told me what they think about me anyway, so they don't have to laugh at my jokes. And it was just uh, it was a, just a stroke of genius. I I, I feel like um, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. Uh, Ed was the co-founder of Pixar Studios, and uh, was thanks to Ed, Cole, and Jesse, and Wendy and I got a private tour of Pixar Studios a few years ago. Um, it I talked know. about how they created film, but did it in a leadership standpoint. They could tell whether a movie producer was gonna survive or not by how they took criticism. If they couldn't take it, uh, they realized that they're not gonna help the, the film um, be as good as it possibly uh, can be. So I think Leadership Challenge, Team of Rivals and Creativity, there's a gazillion more, trust me, there's a gazillion more. But, um, but since this is the Leadership Podcast, um, I'll, I'll, I'll stick on those three. No, and know awesome. what you're for, uh, for that. As always. Um, and, and, and let me say this too, though, because this is, you know, um, he's the he's the leadership guru, John Maxwell. Any book on on leadership from John would be great. But the Twenty One Irrefutable Laws of Leadership is a classic, and Developing the Leader Within You Two Point uh, I would highly recommend those two books from John. And then definitely follow the John Maxwell Leadership Podcast. 
Hey, I'll listen to your episode if you get on there. Oh yeah, well I'll be on there pretty soon, so I'll let you know. I told him I couldn't, I couldn't get on there because I had to be on this deeper than that podcast first. That y'all oh. you got more <laughs> priority. Um, but yeah. then once once we've gotten this one recorded, I'll go into the John Maxwell podcast. I I bet he totally understood. I bet he is cool with it. Of course, it's like. Yeah. But he's a yeah, he's a Larry Bird fan too, though. So just just know mm. that, Mason. Oh gosh, don't want to don't want to burn any bridges too soon. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Thanks so thanks so much for being on. Cole, do you have anything? No, I think that's great. And he's not going to say this, but I know we joke about it a lot. Um, first off, Know What You're For is a ter- like, terrific book. Uh, <laughs> un- unbiased. If you're looking to be a better leader, I would put that on the list as well. Um, our guest today, Jeff, uh, my dad, my favorite leader, my hero. Um, so if you're listening to this episode go follow along what he's doing so thanks again for coming on thanks call awesome. I, I told wendy i said do you think colin mason are gonna have me on the podcast i hope i can get on there so thank you wow. and hey now let me just say this you guys are crushing it you too jp i mean I'm, I'm loving what you're doing thanks for what you're doing you are a voice for this generation your generation and um staying consistent with these podcasts it's that daily habits it's those you know so continue to do that continue to to, to do what you're doing um, and, um, and, and those of you listening, you don't know this. We had some recording problems because my dog Ellie was just being a pill. So JP, I'm sorry <laughs> about that. And, uh, just so proud praying for you guys. Love you guys. Cole, hope to see you soon, buddy. Yes. Love you. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Thanks for being on. Thanks Mason. That's great. We'll wrap it right there, man. Thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. I hope that was okay. Sorry about the Ellie. Um, Man, that was awesome. Cole, what'd you think of it? No, that was really good. It's very practical for just us as college students, but also people older in life, people younger in life. I think it was great takeaways from any stage of life. Yeah, he's, I mean, like we said before the episode, and and obviously you guys heard during it, um, he's one of the greatest leaders uh, of our generation. He's one of the best communicators too. And I think you were really able to see that in this episode. So obviously we're, super super grateful for him being on um and if you guys have any questions thoughts comments concerns uh our instagram is always open for dms um so dm us anything you guys have make sure to like and subscribe uh it really does help a lot and uh i think that's it yeah that's all um until next time cheers